As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I don't have a vehicle, and I don't want to rely on other people all the time because that's a, it's a burden to them, too. Tens of thousands of Wisconsinites use medical transit to get to necessary appointments. So how will a major corporate merger affect them? They need to make this process as reliable and as smooth and efficient as possible. How a vendor with a complicated history in Wisconsin is taking over a massive state contract and what it means for the people who rely on those rides. From the Fox 6 Studios, this is Open Record. I'm Brian Polson, and I'm joined by Contact 6's Jenna Sachs. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Brian. We are recording this episode on Thursday, July 14th. And the story we're going to talk about won't actually hit the broadcast airwaves on Fox 6 News until Thursday night at 10 p.m., so probably a few hours after we release this episode. After that, you can find a link at foxxnow.com and watch the story. But we're talking this week about medical transit, and it's not the first time we've talked about it on this podcast, Jenna. These are non-emergency rides for people on Medicaid who can't get to appointments on their own. You might have seen the vans out on the road. You've probably seen them with different logos and things for the different companies that work for them. What you may not know is that the state awards one massive contract to one company that becomes the dispatch manager for all of these rides statewide. And Jenna... It wasn't always this way. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of the program and then the surprise twist in tonight's story? Yes, absolutely. So Wisconsin didn't always have a manager for its non-emergency medical transit services. It calls that NEMT. Prior to 2010, the state actually used to have a county-based system, and that was before the state moved toward hiring one big central broker, a private entity, basically tasked with managing all of those rides. And if you talk to people in this industry, there's some debate back and forth about whether it's better than the county-based system or not. Uh, But that was prior to 2010. So the first company that the state contracted with was Logisticare, followed by MTM from 2013 to 2021. And in the beginning with Logisticare and with MTM, there were complaints from riders about missed rides or late rides. So there was a 2015 audit done in Wisconsin. It revealed more than 4,000 no-show rides and more than 55,000 late rides. And the state responded to that audit by setting new standards for its NEMT services. And in 2018, it actually tried to switch providers away from MTM. But MTM appealed, and it won its appeal to stay under contract. At that point, the state did see some signs of improvement with MTM. The average monthly complaints went down. And in 2019, DHS told us that MTM actually met its standard that 99.7% of rides be complaint-free. Now, groups like Disability Rights Wisconsin will say they feel those complaints are underreported, but that's what the numbers showed in 2019. But in the end, DHS announced it was going to be awarding its next contract to VAO, 
talking about a lot of technological upgrades that company could offer. And at the time, it said that Transition would improve NEMT services by switching away from MTM. So I'm taking a breath. It's a long history. Veo took over in November. Now, here we are eight months later, and DHS has been informed that MTM is actually buying Veo and taking over this contract. Now, the merger hasn't been approved yet, but MTM expects that will happen sometime this summer. So MTM and Veo are are combining into one company. So let me unpack that for a bit, because there is a lot to unpack there. But you had MTM, which was this you know, one single contractor that was kind of running the show here in Wisconsin and managing all of these vendors who provide these services. And there were all these complaints to the point that the state said, you know what, we're just going to go with somebody else. And they go with Veo. And now that they've chosen Veo, MTM is back in the game because they're going to merge with Veo. Is that right? Well, I mean, there were complaints and obviously enough to prompt an audit. And that audit did find some trends that were concerning to the state. But as we pointed out when we did this report two years ago for the first time about Veo taking over, MTM was showing signs of improvement. And when DHS moved to Veo, they really cited some of the new technology that this younger, hipper company was offering uh, compared to Veo, which was older and more established. Uh, So it didn't really point to those complaints when it switched. But for riders that used MTM, there is already a built-in association about whether it was a positive experience or a negative experience. And Contact 6 does often hear from people with complaints about NEMT services. So I want to take a step even further back for a moment because you talked about NEMT services. And I know uh, I'm fortunate enough, I believe you are as well, that if we need to get to a medical appointment, we can hop in our car and we can drive there. Um, We have transportation there. but, But Anyone who needs medical care, you have to have a way to get to that care. Who are the people who rely on services like this? Well, you have to be a full benefit Medicaid member to be eligible for NEMT. There are about 1.3 million of those in Wisconsin. Now, the best number we could get for this report is about 20,000 people rely on NEMT rides, meaning they can't get to their appointments on their own. And these are important appointments, things like radiation, chemotherapy, dialysis, but it's also routine care like the dentist and physical therapy appointments and so on. And missing those appointments can be very detrimental to these individuals' health. So the dispatch manager might send a van, Uh, There are actually more than 200 transportation providers that have service agreements with Veo in the state. The manager might send a bus token instead or provide mileage reimbursement. So there's different ways they're assisting people. But the idea is that if you can prove to us that you just can't get there on your own, Medicaid has this contract Um, with the state and there's a dispatch manager who will be able to help you get a ride. You'll call into them maybe on a phone line or through their app and you'll schedule a ride and someone will arrive to take you to that appointment and they'll arrive to take you back home. There's always going to be an issue when you have tens of thousands of people relying on a ride service like this. There are going to be issues of of late rides or no-shows. Those numbers are probably never going to be zero, although I'm sure that's a goal. But that being the case, What kind of an experience are you hearing the people have been having since the transition to Veo? And and what are they saying about hearing that MTM is now going to be merging with Veo? 
It really depends on who you ask. So some riders tell us they really haven't noticed that much of a difference, good or bad, with the transition to Veo. Some say they are still having issues with missed rides or late rides. Um, and others like the drivers, you know, American United Transportation Group and its lobbyists who we spoke with for the story, they feel like the transition to Veo went relatively well. They felt like all the right people sat down at the table with the state and the providers, and they felt like it, it, everybody was listening to each other and it was going well. So those individuals are open-minded as to how this goes moving forward. But at the same time, there is some concern there because it's unknown. We don't know how these two companies are going to do when they merge together. Some people already have associations in their mind about how MTM is doing or how Veo is doing. So it, it depends on on who you ask. And, and the people who actually do the driving here are, they don't pull up in a car that says Veo on it or MTM on it. They work for these individual vendors that are uh, sort of servicing that contract. Have you, have you talked to some of those riders and, and, or drivers rather, and what do they think about this? Yeah, we tagged along with a driver. His name is Wally Obi, and he really doesn't have an opinion about who is managing it. He's been driving for 15 years. He's still dispatched the same way by his company, American United. So he, he says it really doesn't matter to me who's dispatching the rides. I get my assignment and I go. Now, his boss is the one who's a little more concerned because it's a change. And he said there are pros and cons over the years with all sorts of different brokerage models and providers. And he was saying he really just wants to make sure they bring all the right people to the table and they include that regional representation, because I think some people would say that has been missing since the transition away from the county based system that some people still wish was in place. Um, so the lobbyist I spoke with said, you know, there's a committee, an advisory committee that handles complaints about this system. We really want the state to hold some sort of public hearing where the public can come and hear what this transition is going to mean for them. When I spoke with MTM, with Veo, with the state, they all said this shouldn't impact riders. Veo still has the contract that they have. They're not amending it. Whoever this company becomes will have to maintain the service standards that are laid out in that contract. People will still call the same numbers. They'll still fill out the same forms to request rides. But there's still an element of the unknown. What does DHS have to say about all this? Because while for whatever reasons they moved away from MTM and gave the contract to Veo, whatever those reasons were, and no matter how many improvements MTM may have been making, this wasn't a switch that DHS sought. It's one that's sort of being imposed upon them, right? What, what do they have to say about it? Right. Well, they basically told me that they are working with MTM and Veo to understand what this transition means because the state did not initiate this change. They didn't know it was coming when this contract went into effect in November. So as the state understands it, members should not see much of a difference, maybe a name change. We don't know if it's going to be MTM and Veo or MTM or something else. Uh, but the state would say, you know, it's not amending its contract. There are the same required service improvements laid out in that contract that they're going to have to uphold. Um, the state was notified the acquisition would happen by July 1st, and that didn't happen. 
Uh, so as it stands right now, Oveo is still providing NEMT services in Wisconsin, and the acquisition is expected to be finalized sometime this summer. So it's not a done deal yet. It's it's still in process. Right. The acquisition, as MTM tells me, is under review with federal antitrust regulators, which is the standard practice. So we're, we're waiting on them. Bottom line, if you use these services, do you just keep going about things the way you always have and making your appointments and scheduling rides? Absolutely. That was the main message I was given. I mean, obviously, it has yet to be seen how these two companies do when they merge together. But I was told you, you will still use the same phone number. You will still use the same driver's The same guy who picks you up will probably pick you up next time if he's your regular guy. So you shouldn't see much of a difference. And for everyone else who doesn't rely on these services, it is tax dollars. Obviously, it's a big contract. The annual cost for any empty services is $124 million. And Veo has a three-year, $370 million contract that it's eight months into. And there are two one-year renewal option terms after that. So right now, if the state is satisfied with how these two companies do, this contract could last until October 2026. It is time for us to go off the record. This is the part of the podcast where we get a little more casual, have a little fun by answering a question for which we have not prepared. And here to ask us that question once again is Open Records executive producer, Sarah Smith. <laughs> Who? Oh, <laughs> you kind of stuck. I was trying to decide, am, we I go, am I going with uh, Fox 6s or Open Records? And I just, it just stumbled uh, over myself. And I didn't know, is it senior uh, executive producer? Um, is it executive producer? <laughs> I, You know what? Whatever you'd like to call me, I will answer to. I'm here either way. Um... Okay, today's question, um, as yesterday, as I kind of was in a little bit of a panic of what am I going to ask for off the record, coincidentally, yesterday was National French Fry Day. Surprised you didn't know that. I didn't um, know that. So I'm asking the real hard-hitting question. <laughs> um, I guess it's kind of twofold. One, what is the best type of French fry? So style-wise. And then bonus points, if you care, care to name your favorite French fry establishment. Now, when you say type, you mean like waffle fries versus curly fries versus yes. regular fries yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. When I was in elementary school, we used to have, every so often, we would get these like crinkle cut fries in a little plastic bag with holes in it. And there was something about how crispy they were. And they were just, I don't know why the little plastic bag with holes. There, there was a, a burger chef. Did you? Were there burger chefs in Wisconsin? We had them when I was growing up in St. Louis. Anyway, they had a similar thing. But I I always loved those. And I think because of that, I've always thought that kind of like crispy crinkle cut fries are are the best. It's sort of like ridged potato chips, I think. It's hard to do crispy crinkle cut. That is one of my biggest issues. I recommend, by the way, the use of an air fryer. Oh, don't get me started on air fryers, okay? (laughs) Every day, I'm telling you, air fryers. Actually... Uh, Real Milwaukee associate producer Taylor just started laughing. I could hear her because I need to be the spokesperson for air fryers. You and my wife could probably sell more air fryers than most air fryer salespeople. (laughs) Anyway, come at me. Okay, so then what what I was going to say is pro tip for people that go to Culver's, they have crinkle cut fries there. And if you like them crispy, ask them to make them extra crispy. And it's they will do it. And it's a little on the receipt, extra crispy. And those extra crispy Culver's fries are chef's kiss. So 
Is that is that a hint? To, well, we can, we'll come back to your answer. Um, no, it's not. No, okay, that's not right, my favorite. Jenna, thoughts? Well, I think the waffle fry is the best kind, like a crispy big waffle fry dipped in ketchup or ranch. I mean, both mm. of those sound pretty good. I will admit, I usually am more of like the pretzel bites dipped in cheese type person, or like the giant German pretzel. That would usually be my preference. But uh, we got some waffle fries over at Mislewski Park. You know, in Glendale, they have like a little oasis there. So we've been taking the kids some summer nights to get like dinner and they have really good little waffle fries that we've been snacking on over there. My only problem with the waffle fry thing is I feel like, especially at a fast food place, you come away with what feels like seven fries because they yeah, take up so much space. Say, three fries. And so you're like, I, yes. I need more You get I need one more big waffle this. and then like, the sides of waffles. Yeah. yeah, I I don't go to a lot of like the fast food places, but if it's like a restaurant or like a bar that's serving appetizers, those are good. Those are really good. Yeah. I'm going to do something different. I I am more of a curly fry fan. Mm. Like an Arby's curly fry? Oh my gosh, dude, oh, <laughs> Arby's curly fries are just the bee's knees. Is that is, is that mostly though because it it really honestly, you eat an Arby's curly fry, it's kind of like you're just chewing on batter. Is there a fry <sighs> in there? It's I don't know. It doesn't matter because once you dunk it in Arby sauce, I could like drink the Arby sauce and the curly fries is so good. Uh, and sometimes you get one of those real long ones. Anyway, it brings me joy. Um, so curly fries from Arby's are probably my most favorite. Thankfully, there's no Arby's within about 10 minutes, 10, 10 15, 20 minutes from my house. It's probably better that mm-hmm. way. Um, but that's delicious. Um, Was, is there another curly fry that you, like another, other than Arby's? Oh, no, I guess, oh, curly fries aren't typically, like, offered at restaurants. I feel like it's not usually an option. I do love a good sour cream and onion sour fry cream or, chive, like, sour absolutely. cream and chive, you know. Um, but, I mean, I've never met a fresh French fry that I, I don't I have, like. So. I that's probably true. There's one Me type too. of fry I, I don't like, and I think it's mostly because of bad memories as a child. It's, it's the steak fry. I, I'm not a steak. Oh, steak fries are too much it's, potato. That's the problem. Like you, ha- you get this idea. I might you're as well just eat a baked potato. You get three of them, and yes. it's all potato. You, you might as well eat a baked potato. Ugh. You're right. It is a baked potato cut into big wedges. And, and the funny thing is, I like baked potatoes, but I need to know that's what's coming. That's right. <laughs> to mentally prepare myself for the potato product. Well, Brian, maybe you'll know this. Is it Steak and Shake that has the really thin fries oh, yeah. that you grab yeah. by the handful? Those those don't quite work for me either because they're just too small and those yeah, work. I don't like those work for me mouth. as long as they're again crispy. <laughs> if you get like stringy fries that are kind of soggy, that okay, that's worse than steak fries. Soggy stringy fries, that's a loser right there. And I think biggest disappointment in French fries, and again, this goes. This is now going to be a fast food thing. <laughs> biggest, biggest disappointment, disappointment goes, to... goes to pulling up to a fast food window, which I don't do very often. But when you do, and you have that sudden craving. And then they're unsalted because they didn't put any on them. And they're just oh. potatoes. Soggy potatoes. Bummer, dude. Super they're disappointing. They're just potatoes. <laughs> oh, bummer, dude. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Going to restaurants, though, that have homemade ranch. Mm. And then you get the fries and the homemade ranch. You know what? I-, I would not recommend anyone listen to this podcast if they're hungry. Because we talk about <laughs> fries. Hungry. We talk about favorite candy. We do. Candy. I'm telling you, man, but potato products I feel real passionate about. So I was like, you know what? I love French fries. So let's talk about that. All right. That. Well, we've <laughs> got to get out of here and go hit the drive through window. So as always, we want to say thank you to the people who make this podcast possible from producer Pete to Dave Machuda and, of course, to Sarah Smith. 
please subscribe to Open Record if you haven't already. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a topic you'd like us to discuss on Open Record or an issue you think we should investigate for Fox 6 News, send us an email to fox6investigators at fox.com. Jenna, thanks again for being on the podcast with me. You are welcome. With that, I'm Brian Polson. We'll be back again next week. Mm-hmm.